Aloha, and welcome to a very special segment of the Ohana Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chun, and this week we're recording live at the NAM Music Show. That's the National Association of Music Merchants. And each year, musicians, manufacturers, technologists, and fans all gather in Anaheim at the Anaheim Convention Center to see the latest that the music industry has to offer. But today, I'm here to interview Ron Telpner. Ron is an advertising innovator, a fashion icon, and an aspiring music performer. Ron and I are also both Kala Instruments ambassadors. So let's welcome Ron to the podcast because we have got a lot to talk about. So we're very excited to be speaking with Ron Telpner. And actually, I have been trying to do this interview for over a year, and I'm so glad I finally tracked Ron down. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I guess I've been playing hard to get. You have been. And it, it took you coming out to California and me coming back to NAM again. And so, first of all, I, I obviously, this is the first time we've met in person, but I've been following your performance career and I've also been following your social media. So and you know that I need more closet space. Yes. Well, that's a whole other thing I'm going to talk to you about because we'll have some photographs on the cover at Spotify and people will get to admire your sense of style. But that's a whole other conversation or maybe it's a part of this one. I wanted to start off by saying, saying that I have been a great admirer of yours since I became aware of you. And this was just two years ago because you are a uh, ambassador for Kala Correct. Instruments, just like I am. Uh, but not just like I am, because I've seen the things that you're doing online and the performances and, and the goodwill that you're spreading. So let's start off by, uh, by me asking you, Ron, how did you get connected with Kala? How did this whole thing start for you? Well, as, as we talked earlier, my health has been challenged. And um, having beat cancer and it morphed into something called scleroderma, I was given a very <laughs> dire prognosis. And uh, one of the doctors said, you know, if you sing out loud, it's going to help your lungs. Uh, right now I'm at about just less than 60% capacity. And uh, I thought, gee, I've always wanted to play a, a, a guitar. Um, I have something called uh, peripheral neuropathy, so I have no feeling in my fingers. And I went to a, a, a guitar store, I went to a music store, and I thought, you know, a ukulele is much easier. I could put it in my hands. It only's got four strings. I bought my first ukulele. It was a kala. I had no idea, but they sold me a kala, and I started playing it, and I loved it. And it was such a, a, a great release of some of the tension. You know, when you have a, a challenge like I do, just to be able to play and sing, and it just changes your whole mood. Your endorphins are, 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 are pumping. And, uh, and then, of course, somehow I I got this thing called ukulele acquisition syndrome where you have to get another ukulele. <laughs> and so it was about that time I started on Instagram playing and I'm going to be eight years since the diagnosis and I started playing on, on Instagram and I met another person who's now my longtime ukulele duet partner, Sarah Stevens. And we, uh, we met online. We went to see a fellow named Christopher uh, Davis Shannon, who is the ukulele tin man. We saw him playing in, in Niagara. And Sarah and I started playing together. 
And we, I told her my story and I said, you know, let's do something to give back. We started something called uh, the Virtual Ukulele Flash Mob for Peace. Because if you play the ukulele, there's a certain, it draws a certain kind of person. It does. It and, does. and if everybody played the ukulele, the world would be a much safer place. Yes. And so I, we started playing. I love the kala. And I actually contacted them and said, you know, we're going to do this Ukuleles for Peace initiative. We'd love you to participate. And um, credit to Mike Upton and, and now Ash Reyes. Uh, they were very uh, receptive and gave us a couple ukuleles to give away as incentive to participate. And as years went on, the relationship grew. And I thought, you know, maybe it's time I came to NAM to see what this is all about. Ah. And I got to meet them in person. And uh, they have been following me as well with the new hat and new glasses and all that stuff <laughs> I do. And, uh, and we hit it off. They're terrific company. Yes. And uh, I now have, I hate to say it, but I have 30 ukuleles. Oh, my gosh. Not all of them are Kala. But so they, all sizes and all, designs? I prefer the tenor. You know, I've got a couple sopranos. I've got a, I just bought a, a Roy Smek vintage, tiny little ukulele. Um, I'm, I'm trying not to buy more, but boy, have I seen some great Kala ukuleles at the show. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And you know, I, I'm, uh, I would say I am suffer a fellow sufferer, and I am always looking and trying ukuleles in music stores. But the thing that I've noticed is, uh, there are so many more models out there than are displayed in music stores. And so coming to NAMM really gives you the in-person exposure to all the instruments that are really available. And, and the Kala booth is incredible here this year. The Kala booth is incredible, but you, you know, Martin does a great ukulele. I mean, there's, there are a lot of companies who are in the market. What I've noticed though, is it, it, when I've gone to festivals, that, that the people who are attending these things are older. Oh, is that right? You yeah, think so? Yeah, okay. there's a lot of gray hair in the crowd. <laughs> okay. And there's also people with no hair in the crowd, and that would be me. But, but a lot of the marketing is aimed at a younger demographic. Mm -hmm, Kala mm -hmm. really gets it. They yeah. understand there are various markets. They love the idea of helping with education. So this is a, when I was in advertising, one of the CEOs said to me, it was a CFO who said to me, you know, Ron, companies have no heart oh, and I always thought that was wrong Kala is a company that has heart yes I agree I always say and, and throughout these these podcasts I, I always uh, refer back to a, a statement that I make which is that nobody doesn't like ukulele music and no one ever gets mad at Hawaiians it's it's just one of these things that um, uh, I've experienced across my my time playing this instrument but also just in in cultural events and activities there are there are so many things that people get angry about but it's it's never ukulele music no it never is it never is but it's funny you know when i tell people i play the ukulele they'll often say well do you know tiptoe through the tulips oh because they remember tiny tim right from or they have so this, long or they ago. have this vision of what uh, ukulele music should be and I say yeah I could play that for you but I break into Johnny Be Good oh. <laughs> which, I, which will always surprise me so so I started playing because I was telling uh, the lava story to a uh, second grade class 
and I brought a ukulele in so that um, they could see it, but they asked me to play it, and I didn't know how to play it. And they sent me, all the kids sent me a letter that said, come back, Mr. Chun, when you learn how to play the ukulele. That's funny. And so it did take me a little while, but I did come back, and I, I learned to play it. Um, so I, I find you know, you know, I have to tell you that I, I uh, my granddaughter, who's just turned 11, I was at her school for Armistice Day. For, for Veterans Day, I guess uh -huh. they call it in the States. And I brought, my, my dad was a World War II hero for the U.S. Oh, Army yeah. and prisoner of war for 13 months and 13 days. And he wrote it, he was a journalist, so he had a great diary, which he did. I was a, I came to the school to tell them about why we remember uh -huh. and why we, we care about servicemen and those who gave their lives. And I brought my dad's medals, his Purple Heart, the, wow. the Gold Star. I mean, all the stuff that he won and a letter from the president, some photographs, a diary, his uniform. And I brought my ukulele because I said, I'm going to play a song that was big in World War II. And I, <laughs> I think I played uh, We'll Meet Again, you know, one of those kinds of songs. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And when they came to questions, some of them were about the war, but most of them were about my ukulele. <laughs> of course. And so I've been invited back there to school to say, just come with your ukulele. We don't need any other stuff. <laughs> so, but, and, and so that also brings me to another question because I noticed that your choice of songs is not the typical choice. There are YouTube videos uh, of, of ukulele musicians who, who show uh, and demonstrate the songs that are the most overplayed. Uh, on the ukulele. I know, if I hear Riptide one more time. Yeah, <laughs> but your, your, so your selection of music is different. And, and you come to this uh, from, is it your family background and, and your childhood or? Well, well my dad was a, a journalist and entertainment writer and uh, became the editor of the Winnipeg uh, Free Press and then the Tribune. We always knew a lot of entertainers. And because of this, I went to every rock concert with free tickets. Okay. And of course, in those days, even if you paid, it was $5. Right, exactly. And as a teenager, I would lie in bed. I was in Winnipeg. I would lie in bed with my transistor radio, and I could pick up WLS in Chicago. Oh. And I would hear songs from groups like the Rascals, groups that you never really heard on Canadian radio. And I guess I absorbed all this rock and roll music from the 50s and 60s and 70s. But I never played it. When I started playing the ukulele, I thought, gee, I could, I could play House of the Rising Sun. I could play this kind of music. So I look at, I, I sort of consider myself a bit of a musicologist because I look at a song, I look at who recorded it, when it was done, what's the, the, the background of the, of the artist. So many of them made no money. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and turned out some wonderful, fabulous music. People think Bill Haley, for example, started rock and roll, but it was 1947, and I think it was Carl Perkins yes. who did, uh, um, oh, I can't remember, it was about being in the doghouse. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I find it fascinating. And so I bring rock and roll, country music, I'll take a, a different kind of a spin on a song, and sometimes, because they're in the same, the same chord structure, I could go from Stand By Me into Cupid, Bring Back Your Boat, you know, that kind of stuff, and it all fits. I've done Amazing Grace to the tune of House of the Rising Sun oh. and Break into House of the Rising Sun. And it's sort of, I hope that I'm creating new awareness for people who are listening to me. Mm -hmm. So you just touched on a very interesting point to me, 
And and I want to bring this up because so I've been playing uh, for just a couple of four years, and I've been uh, able to adeptly avoid singing for people. I, I was I was playing at an elementary school at an international festival they had, and they put a microphone in front of me, and they said, okay, so why don't you sing this song too? And Partially, I escaped from the embarrassment because the kids were singing along from me, but I also realized that I sound a whole lot better if I take a few steps back from the microphone and you don't really hear me. But you are able to jump in with confidence and, and sing these songs, and I, I wonder where did that come from because you are performing, sometimes in front of large audiences, and all the attention is on you. Yeah, and you know what? I love having a band behind me because it covers up my mistakes. <laughs> but from all my years in advertising, and I did work with some of the greats and did ads for uh, Calvin Klein, Polo Ralph Lauren, Kenneth Cole, uh, introduced something called Mike's Hard Lemonade into the market. I know, you know Mike's Hard Some really, yeah. really great stuff. But the joy for me was presenting the creative, was standing in front of that room and talking about, we've done some work we're really proud of, it's going to move your product. So I was always used to presenting Mm -hmm. I also loved fashion. Mm -hmm. And so, in all modesty, I was usually the best dressed person in the room. <laughs> okay. And you have to pay attention to that. Yeah. And so I guess that experience I brought into performing. I also, growing up in Winnipeg, there was a local musician who people would say, don't sing. His name was Neil Young. <laughs> yeah. And I listened to Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohn and and uh, Tom Waits, mm -hmm. I hope that I don't fall in love with you, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I could do that. <laughs> and, and I really had never sung publicly, and I just go for it. Yeah. Sometimes my wife is cringing, and then I get a note on Instagram that says, I love your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is amazing to me, and I'm actually, in a future segment, I'm going to be interviewing a, a wonderful uh, Irish singer, a young lady who's here from Dublin, and she moved to, to Los Angeles, and I saw her perform at, at the Soka Performing Arts Center, and she has one of these clear, beautiful, mel melodic voices, and when I listen to her sing, I can follow the song. You have a voice that is unique in its characteristics and it takes you through the music in a totally different way than a young lady singing and the part about your voice and i, I don't want you to think that i've been stalking you but i have been listening to your performances oh my god it's a groupie <laughs> i've been listening to your performances and the the quality and characteristics of your voice are unique and That's a can, nice way of putting that. Well, it, <laughs> when I say unique, it's something that you look forward to the yeah. next time because as a listener, I don't always hear this type of singing. And then your music selection is unique. So these things together with your incredible fashion sense, um, I think creates this, this experience for the listeners and the viewers. And, and so I, I wanted to get that out because the first time I saw you online, I had the sound muted and I thought, what is going on? Because you were wearing a, a, a suit and a tie and an, an interesting hat and playing the ukulele. And I thought, none of this seems to go, go together. And then I turned the sound on and I thought, it all works. I heard there was a secret chord yeah. that David played and it pleased the Lord. See, yeah. that, that exa is exactly what I'm talking about, where you can bring up 
the the song and the tune and your voice and put it together and that's why I, I enjoy your performances so Thank much you. because it is a unique experience. So you know when I, when we come from uh, Toronto to Palm Springs for the winter mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm fortunate I can do it. It's good for my health, but packing is not easy for me. No, I and not. because my I have a fan base yeah. and they don't want to see me in the same thing. Yeah. So I have a rule: you never wear the same thing twice in one week. But usually I mix it up. Yeah. And so, and people are always writing me going, how do you ever pack? Or do you need more closet space? Yes, or do you oh. have a, a whole series of steamer trunks that you're bringing these yeah, things well, out Yeah, well, you know, if I was ever homeless, I'd be on the street with rolling racks of old, <laughs> of old suits. That, that is amazing to me that you, you do bring this uh, quality of a fashion sense into your performances. And does that come from your advertising background and Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren yeah, and all those I, things? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, I, I have pictures of myself as a, a little kid with my, my folks. And on my collar, my shirt is embroidered Ronnie. Oh. So I'm sure my mom has done this to me. And my sisters are much the same. Oh, really? And so, yeah, we, we pride ourselves in looking good and being current. And at my age, I'm turning 74. And I could be the only 74-year-old with bell-bottom jeans that I, <laughs> you that might I wore be. yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, and I do stay current. Mm. You know, I wore this pink jacket the other day. I've got pictures and, of you and, wearing that pink jacket. It was like, oh, my God, it's Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I did. I, I, I was scanning the exhibit floor uh, looking for you, the hall. And I, I was looking and looking, and then there you were in front of the microphone performing in that jacket. And I thought, well, I know exactly who that is. And I came over to try and talk to you. But that was, so that was an unusual venue because there was so much going on. Oh, but there was so much noise around me to try to project. And I dropped songs out of my set list because I knew they wouldn't work. But I tried Hallelujah, and I did another... Well, I decided I was going to do some disco. Oh. And I, and I did Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive. Oh, my gosh. But really tough with all that noise around you. And, but you had a crowd. So I had to work my way to the front to take a picture of you. So you did have a crowd. Now, were those people just walking by and they saw you and wanted to hear you? Or some actually you come. Fans? No, some actually come wanting to know when I'm going to play. And, and then others just stop and listen. Last year, uh, we were really rocking to the point where the NAMA executive came over to the Kala booth and said, you're not supposed to put on a concert. Uh, you better stop this or we're going to close your booth down. <laughs> Ash Reyes gave me the sign of one more song. <laughs> and so this time, it was going to be quieter. Mm -hmm. And I had a wonderful uh, musician in Jay Kirkland with me. But there was so much noise around us mm -hmm. that Ash said, you can pump it up if you can. And so you also mentioned when we were talking before we started this segment that last year you, you had um, uh, Ukulele was with you, right? right. And, and he joined. At some point, I looked at the corner of my eye and there's Lenny yeah. playing. I don't know if he was playing percussion or, or harmonic. I don't even know what he was doing, but he was there with me. I had asked Boris to play, but he was, got, had another commitment. So Boris uh, played with me last year uh, and Jay Kirkland. And I think we had somebody else. I can't remember, but we we were rocking. This year was much more subdued. Subdued, but you were amped and mic'd, right? Yeah. You were plugged in, I, and and it was still hard to hear because oh, there was so I, much noise. So in at there. one point, I got really close to the mic. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. other thing is that you know I I try to memorize a new song every day. Is that right? Because when's the last time you memorized anything? Maybe in church you memorized a, a psalm or a hymn, or in school you had to memorize a poem. Mm -hmm. 
people don't use that part of their brain. But if you can remember the lyrics of a song and the notes, mm -hmm. so for the most part, I never use anything in front of me. I want to just play and rock. Really? The internet is terrible now. In fact, there is no internet. So I couldn't scroll a couple of the songs. So I had them um, as screen grabs. So it was a bit of a challenge to go through some of the stuff and sort of flip through. I do a version of um, Why Must I Be a Teenager in Love. I don't know if you've heard that one. I, I, I have, yes. Yeah, so why must I be a senior citizen in love? <laughs> and, and it works. Yeah. Well, I, you know, so I am not great at memorizing songs. And there are only there are only two songs, believe it or not, that I memorized uh, the the music to, and and um, one of them is Moon River because when I go to the senior communities and play, they always ask me to play that song. I always think they're going to ask for Somewhere Over the Rainbow, but they ask for Moon River. And uh, as with most ukulele songs, there it's easy enough because there's only two or three chords, but Moon River has eight. And I'm always, uh, I'm hesitant, but then I realize I played it so many times that I have that memorized. And then the first song that I learned for those second grade students was, was Lava. But other than that, I carry on my uh, phone a list of songs and the, the chords that are in it. And then I can glance down and I remember how to play it because people are inevitably will ask me to play something if I'm carrying my ukulele. Whenever I travel for business, uh, or for my uh, government role, I carry my ukulele with me. And then someone will stop me in the airport um, or at, a, at the hotel lobby and ask me to play something and I'll have to flip through and find it really quick. But I've only got a repertoire of maybe 10 songs. You seem to have a very deep repertoire of yeah. uh, unique songs that you play. And I write a lot of songs. Oh, you do? I do. I, I, uh, in the early days, I wrote a lot of... Uh, political songs because I was a speechwriter for politicians. Oh, I I'm didn't a, know that. I'm a, a student of, of politics and, really? and a news junkie. And so I would write an opinion piece in, as a song. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. Facebook didn't always like that. Right, but right. But I would criticize somebody. So I started doing different kinds of things. I've written a song called Living Forever on the Internet. And uh, oh. it's a song about the fact that, you know, when I was given this dire prognosis that, you know, and I only had a little limited time to live. I knew that my wife would never have my passwords to Instagram and Facebook, and I would live forever on the internet oh, because I would be that there. That is fascinating. Because you okay. know, if you're on Facebook and you've lost a friend, mm -hmm. sometimes a year or two years later, Facebook tells you it's that person's birthday. Yes. But they're gone. Yes. Right? So I knew I'd be there forever. And, uh, you know, it's a song about, um, I could be the luckiest man you ever met because I'm going to live forever on the internet. Uh. And, it and it goes from there. I did one because the algorithms have changed on Instagram. I wrote a song to the tune of 16 Tons. And okay. it was, uh, how did it go? Some people say Instagram is one big wank. You get lots of likes, you can't take them to the bank. <laughs> so that kind of, and I put that on from time to time and you know people wonder what's wrong with me <laughs> too much time on your hands Rob so that's fascinating to me I, I've got to go back now and ask you a couple of questions first of all um, 
you said that you you follow politics. Now, is that as a Canadian or as both? Both. So you, you follow know, American politics. Well, because Canada is the mouse sleeping next to the elephant. Yes. And whatever happens in the U.S. really does affect us in Canada, including attitudes towards mm-hmm. politicians, towards how politicians respond to questions. It's, it's quite closely linked. Mm-hmm. My family, uh, my folks were American. Yeah, I had dual citizenship for a long time. I'm oh, now a Canadian. Okay. But it was always of interest to me. My uncle was the mayor of Council Bluffs, Iowa. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> So that is fa- now. Now I always tell people because when people read my bio or they know me, they think that uh, the podcast is going to be a political podcast. I almost never talk about politics, but in this case, it's fascinating to me that you have that dual citizenship, that dual perspective on on politics. And maybe offline, I will ask you about that because I don't want to get too deeply into that. No, in I, I don't either. You know, my my biggest concern about the political situation these days is that all the parties, whether it's Canada or the U.S., spend far too much time trying to get to each other, criticizing each other, doing things that aren't really helping the people who elected them. Exactly. You know, focus on education, focus on health. Let's deal with the homeless. Let's deal with the gun situation. Instead of, we're going to impeach each other. Right. You know, it, and, and in Canada, it's no different. It's, really? Will the prime minister exist? Will he go, did he go on a holiday and somebody pay? It's all of that stuff. Really? And, and I'm looking at it going, God, my dad would roll over yeah. in his grave. You know, and he was a Republican in, I guess, the days of Eisenhower. And he, this isn't what politics should be like now. Right. And maybe it's social media that's done this where people are in the Senate and they're performing yes. for a wider audience. And I'm, I want to get people back. Let's get back to the table and let's fix some of the stuff that needs fixing. I agree. I agree. Well, that's a... That's I would a, vote for you. Oh, you would? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, so that's one thing I, I, I was fascinated by. But then also, as we're talking about um, composing music, original pieces, and then putting them on the Internet... Are, because I, I interviewed somebody else, uh, another performer, who said that she was composing her own music a lot. And, and I'm fascinated by that because I wonder, as a musician, do you find that you're hesitant in posting it on social media because you're trying to protect that music? Or does posting it attribute it to you and you've protected your work? Yeah, I'm happy to post. Because I, I don't have this long-range plan to become a professional musician and, and earn a living from it. Okay. You know, I do a lot of charity uh, events where if I can raise money for a group, I'll do that. If people pay me an honorarium, I donate it back. Mm-hmm. I'm not in it for for money or, or anything else. I just want to have joy. And if nobody followed me, I'd still be there doing it. Right. You know, I could be the most consistent guy on Instagram. <laughs> I've posted thousands of songs really? all different mm-hmm. you know from every genre and so I don't worry about any of that stuff what I worry about was is my tie on straight <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I come down for breakfast and my, you know my wife will say you're not going to wear a tie are you <laughs> yeah I'm just coming for breakfast <laughs> I am absolutely going to wear a tie that reminds me of a tie I went to a groundbreaking ceremony for a new uh, water uh, conservation site in Orange County and it was like 95 degrees. And 
all of the staff and the water district and uh, the people supporting the politicians were all wearing khakis and polo shirts. And I, this was early in my political experience. And I showed up in a suit and tie. And uh, everyone looked at me and they said, oh my gosh, Ross, what are you doing? It's, it's, it's a million degrees out here. And I saw one other guy come walking up in a suit and tie. And he looked at me and I said, thank goodness you dress like that. He goes, my wife wouldn't let me leave the house unless I was dressed like this. And so if you see photographs of this, he and I are sitting together and then everyone else, they look like the landscape crew. And I said, thank goodness yeah, I dress like yeah. that for that. Well, you know, I dress for the performances and I think it's important. It's part of how it all looks and feels and, and how people remember you. Yes, and, absolutely. And that's key. Yes. So, so you're in, are you staying in Palm Springs right now? Is that correct? I'm staying in Palm Springs till end of April. Okay. Once again, I'm not performing at Coachella. Oh. <laughs> I could be lying on the couch at Coachella. <laughs> and is your, is your wife out with you? Yeah. And my wife is an artist. She's, uh, she's painting and she's had a couple commissions this year. Oh, terrific. So I don't want to have internal revenue here or any of that. <laughs> and, uh, and the kids come to visit. How many kids? Uh, I have two kids. I have three grandchildren. Wow. And, uh, and uh, that's the best. Yes. My grandson Finley is coming. I've taught him how to play a couple songs. I mean, on, uh, how old is Finley? He's six. He's six and he's playing? He's, yeah, he, not a lot, but he plays with me. We do Love Potion number nine. And <laughs> my granddaughters can really, they do Stand By Me with me. And uh, I get them to play. They roll their eyes a lot. <laughs> I get that too. Yeah. Wow. So you have got this fascinating uh, professional career, this fascinating and engaging musical career, and an extensive family background, um, and experience in two different countries, in, in Canada and the United States. And it's taken me this long to sit down with you and talk about this. I have to say, it, this is one of my biggest accomplishments for this well, year. Thank you. I'm so to, glad. To be able to meet you and talk to you like this. And I, um, I know that you're going to be performing more today. Is that correct? Yeah. Do you, before you go over to the convention, do you need to rest your voice or, or, or uh, prepare for it? Or what is going to happen I use, I, I, I drink tea. Okay. But I use a sort of a honey uh, spray mm -hmm. that, that helps me. I'm usually pretty quiet before I perform. Okay. And I'm exhausted afterwards. Okay. But it's all worth it. It, it is yeah. for the audience, I'll tell you that. And what instrument are you playing today? Are you, you going to stick to the tenor ukulele? I, you know, I have my eyes on another ukulele. Oh, do you really? And uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to be playing one of the Kala uh, Revela Revelator. You know that one? It's like a solid body. Yes, I was playing that yesterday. It's great. It's unusual to feel like that. And again, if my wife hears this, I'm in <laughs> big trouble. Well, I, I want to thank you again, Ron, so much for, for taking the time and talking to me because you've got a busy day. And I will let you know as soon as we publish this interview because it's going to require no edits. I would not change a thing in this conversation, except that I wish it could go on longer. Thank you. But thank you so much, and good luck today. I know that the audience is going to enjoy it. I know Kala is grateful for your performances. Yeah, I hope it's a tomato-free performance. <laughs> I'm certain it will be. So thank you very much, and, and good you, luck Ross. to you. Well, that was it for my interview with Ron Telpner. And I have to say it was an incredible experience and thoroughly enjoyable.
And if you caught it in the middle of the interview, he did mention he's going to be staying in Palm Springs until the end of April. I understand that he and his friend and performance partner Sarah will be performing in the Palm Springs area. I'm going to try and make it out and catch one of their shows. I want to thank you very much for joining the Ohana Stories podcast and look forward to our next segment. Mahalo. Mahalo.